thank you worship team for leading us to a place of resting and trusting in God thank you it's been a privilege to serve with you I thank some of you for coming back to even worship and lead on a day like this it's not a celebration of Lucius it's a celebration of Yahweh using somebody broken and imperfect like Lucius to do a great job I thank you Thank you, Evan. We've been doing this for a long time together, brother. As brothers. Thank you, Wesley. Blessing to my heart. You and Marietta, so you got to come move. move. Um, Thank you, Blueprint family, for letting somebody like me serve you for so many years. I know there's times you probably said, this guy's crazy. Is this guy legalistic? I'm not sure. But I thank you for your patience with me. Thank you, Pastor Dahadi. You was confirmation, one of the first things that Yahweh told me when I came to Blueprint. Over a decade ago, he said, follow this man as he follows Christ. And not knowing who he was on the front pew of a church way in Highland, when we was in Highland Bakery by Highland Bakery. And I was praying on the front, it was my first time coming to Blueprint Church ever. And Amisha was behind me, we weren't here, we was at a Highland location. And I heard rumbling and I looked over and I was like, God was like, follow that man as he follows Christ. I'm like, who is this dude? Nothing special. We don't have no dope outfit on. Who is this cat? I see if he had J's on, I'm like, yo, I'm a follow dude. He got J's on. But then later on, he comes up and talks about he's the lead pastor of Blueprint Church. And no matter what, brother, through ups and downs, which like we've all had as brother and sister, I love you. I appreciate you. I've learned from you. I've grown from you. I'm not a brother with nobody until we go through something together. And last night we went through something <laughs> together. Amen. And everybody know the story. We've been through something to 3 o'clock in the morning last night. But praise God. Thank you, Angie, for allowing him to give himself to a brother like me. Allow me to stay in your home at times I did. Be around your children. Trust me, around your children. I could have been axe murder and just... But you trust God. Amen. You are from the Spirit. <laughs> I was delivered from that a year before I came. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, staff, for allowing me to serve and love on you and live life with you. So many years I prayed with Ricky in the office. Actually, the, the You Movement logo was something when Ricky was still a staff member at, at Blueprint. And... We was praying and we was like, God had us thinking through lingering and what it is to linger with the Lord. And we was working through an EP for Blueprint. And that's when I just drew out the You Movement sign and I gave it to Ricky. And Ricky made it what it is today. So I thank you for what you invest. And I thank everybody here for all you invest, all the elders. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your patience in elders meetings. When I wild out, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for all the titles to women. Thank you, every city group leader. Thank you. Um, I love you, uh, you movement family, thank you. Most importantly, my wife, I thank you 
Nobody didn't believe I had a wife and she was fine. Now they know that I've been gifted with a fine wife. Amen. So may all the single men know that you can't have what you pray for. Amen. But um, thank you, baby. Thank you, children, for every time you allow me to travel with Amisha on the road. Every time you allow me to just sacrifice my time you know, with Blueprint, I thank y'all. Y'all beautiful and I adore you. Not only are you all saved, but y'all supported your crazy daddy and I appreciate you. Um, Misho, thank you for allowing me to go on the road with you and make everybody think that I sung, I wrote those and sung those songs on your album. Thank you for making me famous. <laughs> but good morning, Blueprint. I, I'm grateful to be here this morning. I've learned from this stage, I've lived from this stage, I've loved from this stage. And I'm so grateful for every relationship, every relationship I've had through Blueprint. So before I just get any more emotional, I just want to continue on in this series before we make this an hour long, which I tried to make it 25 minutes. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for people that you put in my life. From sisters like Christy and Danielle that I met here through Blueprint. And now journeying on with me to serve, Lord God, the communities you called us to serve. To meeting Tara and getting so many encouraging texts and testimonies how amazing you are, God. And encouragement I get from our beautiful children. So you movement church, Father, I don't deserve to lead or shepherd anybody. But it's by your grace you chose me to do so. Bless every family of you movement Church, bless every family of Blueprint Church. Father, you are doing a great thing. And I pray this morning as we open our eyes to your word that you teach us what it is to establish the spiritual discipline of worship. For it's so important. May we learn this morning that worship it's not the why we do what we do, but the how we do what we do. I submit to your spirit. May your will be done. In Yeshua's name we pray and everybody say, amen, amen, amen. This morning as we look through the series, we continue in the series entitled Rooted. And we talk about spiritual disciplines. Be reminded that spiritual disciplines are necessary processes put in place so we can grow in our faith and grow in our, our steadfastness when it comes to following the Lord Jesus in such an untoward generation and world that we live in. As we talk about the spiritual discipline of worship, 
I want us to keep in mind this question. I want us to work through this question. How do we cultivate a life of worship with Yahweh through knowing the approach he desires? How do we cultivate a life of worship with Yahweh with knowing the approach that he desires? John chapter 4 verses 19 through 24 has been read. And we've been reminded even in this scripture about what God desires from his worshipers. I want us to also think about the fact that worship isn't revealed in the thirst of our souls, but it's revealed in how we approach the one who can quench that thirst. We all have a thirst because we're all broken. Our souls are broken, so our souls thirst, and they thirst to be fed. They thirst to be quenched, and that's why we find ourselves finding different ways and different avenues to quench that thirst through the brokenness since the fall. But we also must keep in mind that grace gives us freedom to approach God whenever and wherever, but grace doesn't give us the privilege or the freedom to worship him however we want. So as we talk through worship, I'm going to talk about what it isn't, I'm going to talk about what worship is, what a true worshiper is, and how we can put a spiritual discipline of worship in place. First, what isn't worship? What isn't worship? Worship to our almighty God isn't uh, the temple of a song. Worship isn't when you slow the song down. It's not about a temple. Worship is the, is the how we come with every song that we do in honor and reverence and adoration to our God. So worship isn't determined by the temple of the song, but also worship to Yahweh isn't determined by a service or gatherings or limited to a location. I'm going to say it again. Worship isn't limited to a service or a gathering or a location. We see it here in John chapter 4, verses 19. It says this. It says, sir, the woman replied, Paul's the woman speaking here, if y'all don't know, is the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. And right now we're diving into a dialogue and a conversation between Yeshua Jesus and this Samaritan woman. Now, Samaritans and Jews, Yeshua's a Jew, they didn't get along, they didn't dialogue, so Yeshua Jesus runs into this woman at a well, right, and he said, yo, woman, give me, a, give me something to drink. She said, how are you going to ask me to, for some, something to drink? You're, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we don't, we don't talk, y'all don't engage with us. Actually, we got beef. He said, if you knew who I was and the gift that I have, you would ask for the water. You ask for me to give you water, and the water that I give will build a well in you that you will never thirst again, and it'll be a well that others around you won't thirst again. And then she said, well, give me that water, because I'm tired of coming to this well. I'm paraphrasing. She's talking about thinking he's talking about a natural water, and then he lets her know like he always does with us before he diagnoses, he shows us the issue. He says, go get your husband and bring him back here. She said, I don't have no husband. He said, of course, you have had five husbands. And the one you with is not even yours. So as she was sitting here, coming to this well for natural water, Yeshua Jesus was there to give her spiritual water. And he exposed to her the thirst of her soul. That's why she had these broken relationships with men. And then here we are right now at verse 19, where after he's told her about, he prophesied about what he knew about her life. She says, sir, I perceive and see that you are a prophet. She said, our ancestors worship on this mountain. He said, you Jews, y'all worship, y'all say worship is done in Jerusalem. Then Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain 
nor in Jerusalem. So it's confirming that worship isn't limited to a service, gathering, or location. But you can worship God by spirit and truth where you at. Now, I'm not saying services and gatherings aren't important. They are. They are opportunity for us to come together corporately to celebrate what God has been doing in our lives, to testify about the goodness and the, and the greatness of our God. It's a great opportunity for us to share the gospel, and those who don't know him may come to be saved. There's a lot of reasons why we should come together. It's a great opportunity for us to see one another and be encouraged by one another. So I'm not saying services and gatherings are not important. I'm saying we're just not limited to his presence there. That Jesus Christ, when he died, he ripped the veil, he tore down the wall. So he said, now everybody, not just priests, but everybody can come into my presence. And this is why the spiritual discipline of worship is something we should take and be thankful for. Another thing, worship isn't inclusive. Everybody don't worship our God, Yahweh. I'm sorry. You can say thank God at the beginning of any speech or after the speech, but if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and haven't received the Holy Spirit and proclaim that he is your Lord and Savior, then you're not worshiping our God. So worship isn't inclusive. It doesn't, anybody can't just worship him with anything, but it's for those who worship from their heart, who have received the Lord and Savior as their, Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then one of the greatest misconceptions is this, which really what worship is about. The greatest misconception of worship is that how we approach Yahweh is optional. And there's no set expectation. This is the scary part about worship. We treat worship like how we come to God is optional. Like we have all these options of how we can approach this mighty holy God other than there being a set expectation. If you study scripture long enough... From the Old Testament, New Testament, you'll see that God is very detailed about what he wants. He didn't say go build an ark. He said build an ark, Noah, but let me give you the blueprint of what I want. Build my temple, but this is exactly what I want all the way down to the material. He was always detailed about what he wants and what he desires. So the greatest misconception when it comes to worship is that we have, that it's optional. We can come to him how we want because there's grace. And not that there's a set expectation. But again, remember, grace gives us freedom to come to him whenever and wherever, but not grace to come to him however we want. Question, can you approach your president any way you want to? Do you choose how you approach your teachers, the police officers, a king or a queen? Do you have a choice of how you even approach your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend that you're trying to date, right? You don't. You're trying to figure out how can I approach them in a way that, man, that they see that I desire them and that they welcome me into their presence. If we are with everybody else that we give honor and reverence to, whether it's our teachers, whether it's our, our, our pastors, whether it's our, 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 our president, if we are very picky or watchful of how we approach them, why are we the same about this holy God who we know is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things and the judge of all things. Maybe I need to remind you that he is eternal. Yahweh is everlasting. He's higher. He's greater. He's bigger. 
Yahweh is stronger. He's wiser. He's smarter. He's perfect. He's holy. He's more loving. He's more gracious. He's more merciful. He's more patient than anyone and anything. And he deserves to be approached correctly and accordingly because he is, like we sung, holy. So whenever we approach him, you must know that there's an expectation for our presentation. Every time we approach him, when you wake up in the morning, when you're praying, when you come here to worship corporately, we must keep in mind that there's an expectation for our presentation. And our presentation is our worship. What is worship then? This is when it gets real, real, not tricky, but this is when it is gonna, it's gonna switch some things for you. What is worship? The word for worship here, which is mentioned 61 times in the New Testament, is the word proskuneo. Proskuneo. Pros means to, pros means to turn towards. Cuneo means to kiss. So worship, this is what it means here, proskuneo. Strong's Dictionary say proskuneo means to, to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. To crouch down, to literally prostrate oneself in homage, in reverence, and in adoration. It's worship. Thayer's Greek says it is to kiss the hand towards someone that you reverence and adore. In New Testament, it was known to mean to kneel or to prostrate yourself in homage of someone who is greater and in a higher rank than you. So worship is a how, not a why. So that means it's how we approach him. It's a kneeling. It's a posture of you're greater, you're holier, you're mighty, and I reverence you for who you are. And a lot of times we talk about worship like it's just the why. But God is expecting a certain way we come to him. Worship is to bow down in reverence and adoration. And here the word worshiper is just proskunetes. Natives, that means to adore, someone who adores and reverences. So worship isn't the why we approach Yahweh. It is the how we approach Yahweh. It is what we do when it comes to worship is what we do through also when it comes to worship. By definition, worship is the presentation. And when we approach Yahweh, he has an expectation for that presentation. And what we're presenting to him is our love and our faith. That's why he said without faith it's impossible to please him. He said, let me tell you what fulfills the whole law. Love me with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Our presentation is our worship. What we're presenting is our love and faith. Worship is to bow down physically in reverence and adoration when we approach Yahweh daily. And this bowing down isn't an option but an expected approach to God. And Yahweh expects his people out of any people to do so. Worship is to bow down in reverence and adoration. And if we look at and read 19 through 24 again with these words put in place versus worship, we see what I'm talking about. It says this. I'm going to read it, replacing worship with the meaning. Sir, 
the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors bowed down in reverence and respect on this mountain or reverence and adoration on this mountain. But you Jews say that the place to bow down in reverence and adoration is in Jerusalem. Then Jesus said, no, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will bow down and revere in the door the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. That's why I said one day all knees will what? Bow down. All knees will what? Bow down and proclaim, profess that he is Lord. He said, you Samaritans bow down in reverence and adoration here because you do not know what you know, what you should know. But we bow down in, in reverence and adoration because we know who we worship. Because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is here when the true adorers will bow down and revere and adore the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to bow down, to revere and adore him. God is spirit. And those who bow down and revere and adore him must bow down in spirit and in truth. When you read it like that, it changes everything. At least it should change everything. May we learn to be still from our rhythms of life, to fall down with open hearts and hands to adore, to reveal, and to receive from our God. It's essential. It's required. Matter of fact, every spiritual discipline we talk about should be from this place of adoration and reverence to God, bowing down, whether it's prayer, whether it's when you first start fasting, whether it's when you're diving into word. Even when you look in Ezra, you look back, he said, man, he read the word and people lifted their hands in a certain way of homage to the almighty God because of this blessed word. So when it comes to music, because that's what we're talking about, worship through music, God is calling us to approach him with reverence and adoration from a place of kneeling and bowing down. Because this is what worship is. Worship is to focus on God and to respond to God like he is God. Worship is to focus on God and respond to God like he is God. Worship is to focus on God, bow down in response to God because he is God. And that worship should be inspired by knowledge of who this God is. Now, I know, I know that when we hear what I'm saying, you hear. And so if I'm not bowing down, I'm not worshiping. I'm not saying that. We're talking about approach. We're talking about starting your day off. Bowing down and saying, God, this is all yours in surrenderance. I worship you, God. Help me through this day. I bow down because you know what? I got a hostile flesh that don't even want me to get on my knees. So I, I buffet this body, no matter how much you don't want to. I buffet it and say, you're going to bow down to the almighty God. That's what I'm saying. And then you can continue on your day, but it's the approach of the day. The approach when we come together corporately. He says this, he said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship who we know because salvation is from the Jews. Worship is when we know who we, who we worship. How can we worship if we don't know who we worship? In scripture, every time somebody acknowledged God and saw them, they fell to their knees 
and awe and in adoration and in reverence because they were reminded of how great he is. And if we keep our eyes on how great he is, everything else in this world will look so much more smaller. Worship is a discipline that is established to cultivate a posture of humility. Because sometimes when you worship on your knees and you worship with your hands raised, you can feel awkward. You worry about either hitting somebody in the face or you just like, is everybody else doing this? Is anybody looking at me? So there's an awkwardness. There's a feeling of embarrassment sometimes. There's this feeling of fear. There's a feeling of discomfort. And that's okay. But God is calling us to pray through that and to give him reverence and adoration through kneeling, through prostrating ourselves before him. Some other things that worship does, worship strengthens us in hardship. If anybody been in hardship long enough in your worship of God, if you begin to worship in hardship, it'll begin to change what we say, the atmosphere in the black culture. It begins to shift how you see things. It begins to allow him to come in and be your strength because you have paused and sat down and be still before the Lord knowing that you can't handle the task before you. Worship helps us to release the weights of life. Worship aligns our hearts with his heart. Again, in submission, we begin to hear what God has for us. Worship is expected both publicly and privately. It shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be the only time that you worship. You should be worshiping. We should be worshiping in privacy as well. And a lot of times we struggle with worshiping publicly because we don't worship privately and personally because we don't know him. But God is calling us to know him, to spend time with him. So worship is the presentation but also in any presentation, there's an attire expected of us as well. If you go anywhere to present anything, if you're in a corporate uh, world and you're saying, hey, I'm about to present this, make this presentation, you're going to put on your best suit. You're going to get your wig done. You're going to have the best eyelashes and your nails going to be done. You're going to present yourself in a way so that as you present yourself before this person, you're letting them know, I value this time that I'm spending with you. So not only did God expect us to have a certain ex presentation, but there's a proper attire. And that attire, that attire is what we're going to talk about here, which is spirit and truth. What is true worship? In verse 23, he said, but an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He makes it plain that Yahweh wants a specific worshiper with a specific approach, not just anybody. Anybody can't come to me. It must be true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. What does spirit and truth mean? Spirit is pneuma, the breath of God. It's, we're, we're three parts. We have three components to us as a man. There is the body, there is the soul, there is the spirit. The body gives us world consciousness. The, uh, the soul gives us uh, self-consciousness, and the spirit gives us God consciousness. So he said, those who are going to worship me, the attire they must have must be the attire of spirit and truth. 
Truth is his revealed revelation of his word and of his truth. Whether it's through his written word or his rhema word or through his prophetic word in prayer, his truth is his divine revelation given to man. So he said, if you're going to worship me, you must worship me from spirit and truth. Another thing about spirit. This is why he said the true worshipers worship in spirit because everybody, if you haven't been redeemed by the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, you haven't given your life to the Redeemer, then your spirit remains dead. That's why he said God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship in spirit. It's like if you say, hey man, I want to communicate with the dolphin, then you're going to need another dolphin to communicate or you need to speak in dolphin language. And I don't know anybody who got that tongue. <laughs> if you do, don't do it in here. It's going to be weird. <laughs> but he said, anybody come to must worship in spirit. And this is, when the, this is when the gospel comes in. So he says, he said, true worshipers. He's like, there's a lot of worshipers, but true worshipers, genuine worshipers, worshipers that, I, that, 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 that I'm looking for. He said, they worship in spirit and in truth meaning that their spirit has been revived by the Holy Spirit. See, some of y'all may not know, in the garden, our spirit died when we rejected God and we sinned against God. That's why he said, if you eat from that tree, Adam, this day you surely, you, you surely will die. Then he ate from it, he said, but we're still alive. Like, what is, and then Satan was like, no, nah, if you eat from it, you won't die. But when they ate from it, they didn't physically die, but their spirit died that day. And then when that spirit died, they became a disconnect from God because he's spirit. To try to, if, you, if your spirit had been revived by the Holy Spirit, to try to talk to God, it's like having a phone with no service and you trying to call somebody. There's no connection. Our spirit gives us connection to God because he is spirit. And then the truth plays a part of it because they work together. The truth tells you who God is so you can worship him correctly. So we worship in spirit, by the Holy Spirit, revived by the Holy Spirit, restored by the Holy Spirit, brought back to life, redeemed. And then we worship in truth, and knowing exactly who it is that we're worshiping. And we do it from a place of knowledge of his word. And that's why the spiritual discipline of reading his word and studying his word is so, so important. Now, the good news about that to anybody that don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this Holy Spirit is a gift for everybody who receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you repent and turn from your, your ways and follow him and don't follow the world and don't follow yourself no more, this gift of the Holy Spirit you can receive and then it'll revive your dead spirit so you can have connection back with your creator and your father. But until then, your spirit remains dead. So I pray that today... That if that is you, that you'll give your life at some point today to the Lord Jesus so you may be able to be reconnected with God. He said, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Again, worshiping God is, is about focusing on God and responding to God because he is God. We have grace to approach him whenever and how. And wherever, but not however we want. So how do we worship? How do we make this practical daily practication of how you can do this? Just a daily application of how you can do this. 
And I'm not saying this is in stone. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit came down and sent the dove and the dove whispered this to me and I've been following ever since. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what works for me. And this is what Yahweh has taught me. One, I got six of them. One, schedule morning worship. Two, choose songs. Three, bow down. Four, read the scripture. Five, continue to sing. Six, end with prayer. I'm going to go through them one by one. And six of them. One, if you want to start establishing a spiritual discipline of worship, of bowing down before God, is that you choose and you schedule every single morning that when you get out of your bed, or maybe some of y'all might have to run to the bathroom. If you come back from running to the bathroom, <laughs> that you get on your knees. You get on your knees physically. And you reverence and you adore God. Not just walking around, not just standing. You physically get on your knees if you're able to. And you sit with God. And you begin to adore and reverence him. You could do this for 30 minutes on, but every single morning I get out of my bed, I fall right on the floor next to my bed, and I lay out prostrate, and I thank him, and I adore him, and I acknowledge him. So one, schedule, that, schedule uh, every morning for 30 minutes or plus to get on your knees before you start your day and surrendering to God. I'm telling you, it does something to your flesh. You're hostile, your flesh is against you, and the world is against you. And you're, so we need to, every morning, this in, it's so imperative, every morning that when you do get on your knees, your flesh is going to get irritated. But when you do it, it's training your flesh. The same way you go to a gym, it's training your flesh. And it's submitting your flesh. And it's warring against your flesh. And letting your flesh know, like David would say throughout the Psalms, you will bless this Lord. You will reverence him. If the Bible says this flesh is hostile to the things of God, then that means every day your flesh is saying, I do not want to worship him. So you have to say you will. And you have to get on your knees. It's part of warfare against your own flesh and warfare against what's going to take place in the world and it allows God to come in. Two, choose a song. Choose your favorite song. It could be Lord of Lords. It could be Reckless Love or whatever it is. Find your favorite song that you can sing to that'll make, that align your heart and your mind up with God. And I'll be honest with you, not, not um, victory songs like I made it through or struggle songs or songs of lament, more, not even songs of, of victory or, or um, yeah, like, Lord God, what you've done for me, but just songs that say who he is. Just songs just like you're holy. Songs that's going to focus your mind at the top of your day on a mighty great God. I'm telling you, y'all look at this like it's, it's important that you, that, you be, that you do this. Because if you're not intentional, you'll go on just looking at everything else and God will become so small throughout the day. So choose the songs that have words to it to sing with it. And then sometimes choose songs that don't have words. And you don't have to be a singer. And just sing to them. Just, you don't have to be a singer. I've heard Dahadi sing before. Dahadi can hold a note. He can. 
But I love it when he just starts singing his favorite song, like the sanctuary song. Lord, prepare me. I'm not imitating you. I'm not. To be a sanctuary. Every elder know this is a song. Pure and holy. He be getting it in. But what it is is that I'm saying like when you do that, it's breaking the flesh. It's breaking the chains that your flesh want to put on you. So choose a song. So choose songs that have words, but choose songs don't have words. And then just sit there with God and sing to him yourself. Also, bow down. Bow down. So <clears throat> choose a schedule of time in the morning. Choose the songs. Now you're going into it. Now bow down. Start your time on your knees with prayer and with words of thanksgiving and adoration, reminding yourself of who Scripture says he is. That's what he said. Those who worship me, worship in spirit and truth, they know who I am. Because if you don't worship in spirit and truth, he don't. Imagine somebody spending time with you and they're laughing in your face and they're joking with you and they do not know you. You ever have somebody come to the conversation and you talk like, yeah, girl. Yeah, dog, I feel you. You're like, who are you? What do you know about me? The spirit of truth, bow down. Fourth, read the scripture. Read the scripture. So you, you choose, you schedule in the morning, you choose songs, you bow down, you read scripture that exalts the truth of his name from your knees. From your knees. Again, still on your knees. From your knees. Because your flesh is going to get up, I'm telling you. Your flesh is going to want to get up. Do it from your knees. Read scripture that gives you truth of who he is. Again, not about what you want him to do for you, not about what he's done for you in the past, even though that's going to intertwine with who he is as you think about him being a provider that he is, but do it from your knees. Read scripture and then to continue to sing after you read the scripture. Now then you can get up. You get up from your knees, you can walk around your house, you can do whatever it is. But again, this is about the approach. And then when you're done walking around your house or in that one place, you end it with prayer. Thanking God for the time he's allowed you to have. And then you can go into your supplications, your, your everything else that you want to take place. But what this is doing is teaching us to wake up and approach every day that God has blessed us with our first fruits and giving him worship and letting him know that I'm giving you full control of my body and of my mind and my heart. I do a lot of things repetitively. I still say the Lord's Prayer. I still say the Lord's Prayer, every word of it. I still say the Shema. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord God with all, you know, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. I tell myself, then I say, God, I'll give you my mind. I say repetitive stuff. God, I give you my mind, renew it today. I give you my, my heart, line it with yours. God, today I give you my soul, transform it. I say a lot of the same stuff. So when you're in your prayer, have something that you know that you can repeat over and over again to yourself to encourage yourself about who God is. So schedule a time in the morning to worship every single morning as your first fruits unto God. Choose songs that you can worship with, words and without words. Three, bow down on your knees in reverence or sometimes prostrated on your face in reverence and adoration and thanksgiving unto God, giving it to him, reverencing with your mouth, loving on him. And read scripture from your knees, still from your knees, that remind you of who he is. And then continue to sing, whether you're walking around or not, with thanksgiving and adoration of who God is to you. And then end it with prayer. 
thanking him for the time he allowed you to spend with him. And I promise you, whether you're having a good time of your life or in a bad time of your life, it would change everything. And then when you come here on Sunday morning, it's going to change that as well. Because what we're doing is we're warned against our flesh and we're warned against, man, things outside of us that wants to keep us from worshiping and adoring God. So I'm going to end with this Psalm 66. I know I said a lot. With all my emotions welling up inside, it's some of the stuff I don't even know what I said. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 66, I was looking for a scripture. That's a great scripture to read in the morning. Psalms chapter 66. Psalm 66. Again, before we go into this again, worship is about the how, not the why we do what we do. And I beseech you, I beg you, sit and think about this. Think about this. Teach your children this. Christianity is one of the religions I see that struggle with bowing down consistently. You go to a Muslim, they will stop in the middle of Walmart and they will bow down and worship in a God whom they say they love. You can go to every religion and this makes sense and it's normal to bow down and kneel. But for Christians, we say, man, we have grace. We don't have to. And it's because we have been wrapped up in what we think worship is. And because sometimes we are just plain, dog, selfish. But think about this God that 66 reminds us of. It says, let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. It should be on the screen. Amen. Sing about the glory of his name. Let me read it the way he wrote it. Let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. To Yahweh, sing about the glory of his name, name not just title, but who he is. Make his praise glorious. Say to Yahweh, how awe-inspiring are your works. Paul, do that sounds like, come to him like, man, you're a good God. He says, praise about this mighty God and let everybody know he's awe-inspiring. Sometimes we'll see a dunk by Edwards and be like, man, that dunk is whoa. The Clippers won last night. I was like, go, Paul George. <laughs> he ain't using them, whoever said that. But think about it. Psalm 66, David, had a, David was a worshiper and a warrior. He had a relationship with God. And he knew God from the capacity that he could know him. 
To us, so much John said, I know my son is jacked up and he committed murder and I know he committed adultery, but this is a man after my own heart. David, a man after man of God's own heart. If you just read Psalms, you see nothing but a kneeling and a prostrate saying, God, you are all inspiring God. Sing about his glory to his name. Make his name glorious. Say to God, how awe-inspiring are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you because of your great strength. When do we see his great strength? He drowned the army in the river. He quenched the mouth of lions that tried to eat his people. He quenched the, the, the mouth of fire that tried to quench his people. Nobody could stop God. Everybody that came against Yeshua, Jesus, fell to their knees. Even the legion. Hundreds and thousands of, of demons in one man saw Yeshua, Jesus, from a distance, ran to him, and proscuneled. Go back and look at the story of the man possessed with the demon. And stop there. He said he saw him. And the legion ran to Yeshua Jesus and bowed down. And said, did you come to torment us before our time? I, I watch a lot of movies, so I like to do voices. Did you come to torment us before our time? Demons, thousands or hundreds of them came to Yeshua and with proscuneo and said, did you come to torture us before our time? Is it time yet? He said, don't, don't leave. Don't. They begged him, don't, don't push us away from the region. We want to stay here. Can, we, can you give us permission to go into those pigs? He said, yeah, go into those pigs. Demons proscuneo. Men and women of God that met God proscuneoed. It says, the whole earth will worship you and sing praise to you. They will sing praise to your name, Selah. Come and see the wonders of Yahweh. His acts are humanity. His acts for humanity are all inspiring. Not little inspiring, but all inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land. They crossed the river on foot. Talking about when he led the Israelites, the Hebrew, uh, through, the, uh, through the water, the Red Sea, when they tried to come against him. He said, there we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might, and he keeps his eye on his nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves, Selah. Is it Selah? You got pause. My bad. Bless our God, your peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. His praise is not heard in silence. This is scripture, y'all. He said, let his praise be heard, be loud. Let everybody know our God reigns. Let his praise be heard. Again, we treat worship like it's an option how we should approach a mighty God. We say, well, this is who I am. I'm silent. He said, well, let his house praise going to be heard. He said, well, I let the rocks cry out because you think it's okay for you to be silent. I need my praise to be heard. His praise is heard when it's loud. I'm trying to help y'all with y'all worship. He said, he keeps us alive. He keeps us alive. He breathed breath in you. Spirit, pneuma, breath. You became a living creature. Then you, then you, fell, you fell short of his glory. Your spirit died. Get this. He does it again. Yeshua comes back and what he does, he breathes on the disciples. I breath. And he said, but don't go. I got another breath coming. The breath of the Holy Spirit is coming. Don't go. Then, he, then the Holy Spirit comes and it breathes on the, on the people. God has patterns. 
Why? He's like, because you can't go forth without the spirit. And then what happens when your baby comes? Oh, that baby got a what? Spirit. It's alive. It's the same thing. It's a pattern. He keeps us alive. He sustains you. He didn't just make you. He sustains you. You're fascinated by H2O. Be fascinated about the, the, the breath of God that's in you. It's your breath and not lungs. He sustains us. He keeps us alive and does not allow our feet to slip. For you, God, tested us. Test us. For you, God, you refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our backs. You let men ride over your heads, and we went through fire and water, but you brought us into abundance. I will enter your house with burnt offerings. I will pay my vows to you. That my lips promised and my mouth spoke during my distress. That's why he created a temple. So maybe many people we can come with not just sacrifices for our sins, but offerings of worship. He said, come and listen, all who fear God. And I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. Not with just my heart in silence. I cried out to him with my mouth. And praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of my malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I cried out to him with my mouth and praise was on my tongue. And if I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But however, God has listened. How many times have you had malice in your heart and he still listened? How many times did you not want to forgive him or her, but he still listened to you? How much have you not had time for him throughout the week, but then when you got in distress during the week, you cried out and he listened? But however God has listened, he has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. Blessed Baruch be Yahweh, be God. Baruch Yahuwah, blessed be Yahweh, be God. He has not turned away my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. Is he worth proskuneo? Is he worth proskuneo? I told him the other day and I was praying, I began to cry. I said, God, with just a little bit that I know about you, I don't want to live without you. But just a little bit that I know about you, I don't want to live without you. I don't proskuneo because I was born to sing and lead worship. I proskuneo because I've come to know him. And I'm in awe that he hears my prayers, even when my heart had malice in it. Even when I couldn't forgive my abuser, he heard my prayers. His love is steadfast. Why should we worship him? Because he is Abba, our father. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Aleph and the Tithe. He is the beginning and the end. Why should we proskuneo him? Because he is the anointed one, Christos, the Hamashiach, the Christ. He is the El Elyon, the most high God. He is El Olam, the everlasting God. 
He's El Roy, the God who sees. He's El Shaddai, the God Almighty. He is Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the I am that I am. Hallelujah. He needs no one. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He is Jehovah Rahi, the Lord our shepherd. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our strength. He is the father to the fatherless. He is a husband to the widow. He is a friend to the lonely. He is a brother to the homeless. He is the father. He is the son. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the breath. He is the sun. He is our moon. He is the wind that carries us. He's their voice of comfort when we're alone. He's the savior of all of mankind. He's the lover of our souls. He's God, Yahweh. And blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Worship is to focus on God and respond to God like He is God. And I believe that with all my heart. Take a moment right now to just close your eyes. And think about who God has been to you. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.